Chapters twenty and twenty one of Recollections of Napoleon at St. Helena by Elizabeth Balcom Abel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty. Farewell. A word that must be and hath been. A sound which makes us linger. Yet farewell. Byron in consequence of my mother's health declining from the enfeebling effects of the too warm climate of st helena she was ordered by her medical adviser to try a voyage to england as the only means of restoring her shattered constitution the winchelsea store-ship having arrived from china my father took our passage on board obtaining first from sir hudson lowe six months leave of absence from his duties as purveyor to napoleon and his suite etc a day or two before we embarked my father my sister and myself rode to longwood to bid adieu to the emperor he was in his billiard-room surrounded by books which had arrived a few days before he seemed much depressed at our leaving the island and said he sincerely regretted the cause he hoped my dear mother's health would soon be restored and sent many affectionate messages to her she being too ill to accompany us to longwood when we had sat with him some time he walked with us in his garden and with a sickly smile pointed to the ocean spread out before us bounding the view and said soon you will be sailing away towards england leaving me to die on this miserable rock look at those dreadful mountains they are my prison walls you will soon hear that the emperor napoleon is dead i burst into tears and sobbed as though my heart would break he seemed much moved at the sorrow manifested by us i had left my handkerchief in the pocket of my side-saddle and seeing the tears run fast down my cheeks napoleon took his own from his pocket and wiped them away telling me to keep the handkerchief in remembrance of that sad day we afterwards returned and dined with him my heart was too full of grief to swallow and when pressed by napoleon to eat some of my favourite bonbons and creams i told him my throat had a great swelling in it and i could take nothing the hour of bidding adieu came at last he affectionately embraced my sister and myself and bade us not forget him adding that he should ever remember our friendship and kindness to him and thanked us again and again for all the happy hours he had passed in our society he asked me what i should like to have in remembrance of him i replied i should value a lock of his hair more than any other gift he could present he then sent for m marchand and desired him to bring in a pair of scissors and cut off four locks of hair for my father and mother my sister and myself which he did i still possess that lock of hair it is all left me of the many tokens of remembrance of the great emperor twenty one my task is done would it were worthier in concluding my brief record of napoleon i will spare my readers any lengthened expression of my own opinion of his character i have placed before them the greater part of what occurred while i was in his society and have thus given them as far as i am able the same means of judging him as i myself possess but yet in a personal intercourse incidents occur of too trivial or subtle a nature to be communicated to others but which are still the truest indications of character from being the result of impulse and unpremeditated even a look a tone of the voice a gesture in an unreserved moment will give an insight into the real disposition which years of a more formal intercourse would fail to convey and this is particularly the case in the association of a person of mature age with very young people there is generally a confiding candour and openness about them which invites confidence in return and which tempts a man of the world to throw off the iron mask of reserve and caution and to assume once more the simplicity of a little child 
this at least took place in my intercourse with napoleon and i may therefore perhaps venture to say a few words on the general impression he left on my mind after three months daily communication with him the point of character which has more than any other been a subject of dispute between napoleon's friends and his enemies and which will ever be the most important of all in the estimation of a woman is whether he furnished another proof of the close affinity between superlative intellect and the warmth of the generous affections to use the words of the reverend crabbe in his delightful life of his father or whether he must be considered only as a consummate calculating machine the reasoning power perfect but the heart altogether absent bourrienne who although conscientious and exact in the main exhibits no partiality to the emperor describes him as très peu aimant and reports that he once said i have no friend except duroc who is unfeeling and cold and suits me and this may have been true in his intercourse with the world and with men whom he was accustomed to consider as mere machines the instruments of his glory and ambition and whom he therefore valued in proportion to the sternness of the stuff of which they were composed even his brothers whom he is said to have included in this sweeping abnegation of friendship he taught himself to look upon as the means of carrying out his ambitious projects and as they were not always subservient to his will but came at times into political collision with him his fraternal affection which seldom resisted the rude shocks of contending worldly interests was cooled and weakened in the struggle but my own conviction is that unless napoleon's ambition to which every other consideration was sacrificed interfered he was possessed of much sensibility and feeling and was capable of strong attachment the duchess of d'abrantes who was intimately acquainted with napoleon at an early age gives him credit for much more warmth of heart than is allowed to him by the world and brought up as she had been with himself and his family she was well qualified to form an opinion of him i think his love of children and the delight he felt in their society and that too at the most calamitous period of his life when a cold and unattachable nature would have been abandoned to the indulgence of selfish misery in itself speaks volumes for his goodness of heart after hours of laborious occupation he would often permit us to join him and that which would have fatigued and exhausted the spirit of others seemed only to recruit and renovate him his gaiety was often exuberant at these moments he entered into all the feelings of young people and when with them was a mere child and i may add a most amusing one i feel however even painfully the difficulty of conveying to my readers my own impression of the disposition of napoleon matters of feeling are often incapable of demonstration the innumerable acts of amiability and kindness which he lavished on all around him at my father's house derived perhaps their chief charm from the way in which they were done they would not bear being told apart from the sweetness of his smile and manner their effect would have been comparatively nothing but young people are generally keen observers of character their perceptive faculties are ever on the alert and their powers of observation not the less acute perhaps because their reason lies dormant and there is nothing to interrupt the exercise of their perceptions and after seeing napoleon in every possible mood and in his most unguarded moments when i am sure from his manner that the idea of acting a part never entered his head i left him impressed with the most complete conviction of his want of guile and the thorough amiability and goodness of his heart that this feeling was common to almost every one who approached him the respect and devotion of his followers at st helena is a sufficient proof they had then nothing more to expect from him and only entailed misery on themselves by adhering to his fortunes 
shortly after he left the briars for longwood i was witness to an instance of the reverence with which he was regarded by those around him a lady of high distinction at st helena whose husband filled one of the diplomatic offices there rode up one morning to the briars i happened to be on the lawn and she requested me to show her the part of the cottage occupied by the emperor i conducted her to the pavilion which she surveyed with intense interest but when i pointed out to her the crown which had been cut from the turf by his faithful adherence she lost all control over her feelings bursting into a fit of passionate weeping she sank on her knees upon the ground sobbing hysterically at last she fell forward and i became quite alarmed and would have run to the cottage to tell my mother and procure some restoratives but starting up she implored me in a voice broken by emotion to call no one for that she should soon be herself again she entreated me not to mention to any one what had occurred and proceeded to say that the memory of napoleon was treasured in the hearts of the french people as it was in hers and that they would all willingly die for him she was herself a frenchwoman and very beautiful she recovered herself after some time and put a thousand questions to me about napoleon the answers to which seemed to interest her exceedingly she said several times how happy it must have made you to be with the emperor after a long interview she put a thick veil down over her still agitated features and returning to her horse mounted and rode away for once i kept a secret and though questioned on the subject i merely said she had come to see the pavilion without betraying what had taken place napoleon on his first arrival showed an inclination to mix in what little society st helena afforded and would i think have continued to do so but for the unhappy differences with sir hudson lowe these at length grew to such a height that the emperor seemed to consider it almost a point of honour to shut himself up and make himself as miserable as possible in order to excite indignation against the governor into the merits of these quarrels it is not my intention to enter with all my feeling of partiality for the emperor i have often doubted whether any human being could have filled the situation of sir hudson lowe without becoming embroiled with his unhappy captive the very title by which he was accosted and the manner of addressing him when contrasted with the devotion of those around him must have seemed almost insulting and the emperor was most brusque and uncompromising in showing his dislike to any one who did not please him the necessary restrictions on his personal liberty would always have been a fruitful source of discord and even had napoleon himself been inclined to submit to his faith with equanimity it is doubtful whether his followers would have permitted him to do so accustomed as they had been to the gaiety and brilliancy of the french capital their séjour to use their own words on that lone island could not fail to be affreux and as they were generally the medium of communication between napoleon and the authorities the correspondence would necessarily be tinged with more or less of the bitterness of their respective feelings their very devotion to the emperor would make them too tenacious and exacting with regard to the deference to which his situation entitled him and thus orders and regulations which only seemed to the authorities indispensable to his security became a crime in their eyes and were represented to the emperor as gratuitous and cruel insults napoleon too in the absence of everything more worthy of supplying food to his mighty intellect did not disdain to interest himself in the merest trifles my father has often described him as appearing as much absorbed and occupied in the details of some petty squabble with the governor as if the fate of empires had been under discussion he has often made us laugh with his account of the ridiculous way in which napoleon spoke of sir hudson lowe but their disputes were generally on subjects so trivial that i deem it my duty to draw a veil over these last infirmities of so noble a mind
one circumstance however i may relate napoleon wishing to learn english procured some english books amongst them aesop's fables were sent him in one of the fables the sick lion after submitting with fortitude to the insults of the many animals who came to exult over his fallen greatness at last received a kick in the face from the ass i could have borne everything but this the lion said napoleon showed the woodcut and added it is me and your governor amongst other accusations against napoleon some writers have said that he was deficient in courage he always gave me the idea on the contrary of being constitutionally fearless i have already mentioned his feats of horsemanship and the speed with which his carriage generally tore along the narrow mountainous roads of st helena would have been intolerable to a timid person i have more than once seen gentlemen whose horses were rather skittish when the emperor approached them at a rapid pace compelled to turn and gallop rapidly for some distance before him to their great annoyance until they reached an open space where they could pass his carriage without danger of their horses shying and going down a precipice he had a description of jaunting car to which he yoked three cape horses abreast in the french style and if he got any one into this he seldom let his victim out until he had frightened him heartily one day he told general gourgaud to make his horse rear and put his forefeet into the carriage to my great terror he seemed indeed to possess no nerves himself and to laugh at the existence of fear in others napoleon as far as i was capable of judging could not be considered fond of literature he seldom introduced the topic in conversation and i suspect his reading was confined almost solely to scientific subjects i have heard him speak slightingly of poets and call them rêveurs and still i believe the most visionary of them all was the only one he ever perused but his own vast and undefined schemes of ambition seem to have found something congenial in the dreamy sublimities of ocean end of chapters twenty and twenty one end of recollections of napoleon at st helena by elizabeth balcom abel recorded by celine Major.